Good morning. I guess you can't say you've had a morning without a little bit of explanation, so this is what I'll give you. Let's just say that when, um, <clears throat> when the police track you to the ER, you know your day's starting out a little weird, you know? So everyone's all right. Uh, kids are playing happily at home, but the morning did not start that way. <laughs> um, so, with that being said, we are uh, hopping into our Christmas series uh, to celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, and I titled this series uh, A Giving Season because my hope is that uh, we will come to the Father and come to the gospel narrative and, and Jesus coming in his birth and see it as a gift to us. One of the gifts that I've recently experienced probably in the last year is a conversation that I had with Aaron at the office. Um, just so happened that my parents were visiting and are also visiting right now. Um, uh, that Aaron stopped at me in the office and said, hey, uh, just wanted you to know I, I ran into your mom this morning. Um, she was uh, just so happened to be driving her your wife's white suburban, and uh, I thought it was your wife, and she was barreling towards the three-way stop right there in front of Subway, and uh, I was like, why is Maranatha going so fast? And then I realized, that's not Maranatha, and then as she drove through the stop sign without stopping, he realized that it was my mom. To give you a little bit of context, the reason why that story is so much of a gift to me is that my mom was a very connected person in our community as a teenager growing up. And so it did not matter where I went, my mom knew most of the stuff that I did wrong, <laughs> right? So I'm glad to have just one little piece We've uh, ventured far enough into the Christmas season that we're not arguing over who's decorated their house anymore, right? We're, we're coming into that season. We're placing little gifts uh, under the tree as we purchase them and move towards uh, the holiday itself. Uh, <clears throat> but like I said, what, what I want us to focus on this morning is God the Father as someone who gives towards us. And one of the most uh, powerful ways that God has uh, presented himself as a giver, to me specifically, to me and I would say also my wife and my family, is through the process of raising support. About eight years ago, uh, Maranath and I decided to, to join ministry and in order to take that path where we felt like God was calling us, we needed to raise up a team of support uh, people to join us to send us out to Homer, Alaska. I had zero experience of what that would look like. And I think that was actually another gift to me because I had no idea what it would take. My wife, on the other hand, was intimately aware of what it would be like to raise support and to live off of that. And rightly so, she was terrified by it. But I, being ignorant, just started reading books and went through the process. 
And I would say that after seven years of living on support, what I can clearly tell you is that the person who signs your check and provides for you and your family is not your employer, it is the father. And I know that because I watched him drop supporters and add supporters to the same amount in the same month without communicating anything to anyone. It's as if there is a spirit, a Holy Spirit, working in and amongst us to provide for our needs. I actually feel kind of sorry for all of you who have never done that. (laughs) Wouldn't you think it would be the opposite way around? But I know, without a fact, without a doubt, that he is the one who provides for me and my family. So our goal today is to know and experience God as the ultimate giver. No one in history, no one who's ever existed on the planet has given more of himself, of his goodness to mankind than God the Father. And the text that I want us to examine today comes from James chapter 1. So if you'd open up your your Bibles, your phones, this will also be on the screen so you can follow along. This is what we're going to do. We're going to read this. I'm going to give you some context, and then I'm going to give you three points that I think help us prove that God the Father is the ultimate giver. James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, I'll give you a little bit of context. James starts out in this verse Do not be deceived. Deceived about what? Twice in two different sections of chapter one, James is going to talk about tribulation and temptation. He starts out in uh, verse two, he says, Count it all joy when you meet various kinds of trials. And in verse 13, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And so what James is is encouraging us to do is to see the Father in his real character. One that is not deceptive towards us. I find that particularly ironic, especially during this season. I try to tread a little carefully here because some of you may be falling prey to this. But what we ask our children to do is uh, believe in something, 
that delivers a certain something to our homes on a certain day, and then they uh, grow up thinking that that's a reality, and then we also try to convince them that there's a guy in the sky who loves them and lives in their hearts. And then we wonder why they have a problem believing that, right? Just because it's Christmas doesn't mean you get to tell white ones, you know? What James is, is doing here is that he is, he is encouraging us to see tribulations and temptation as something that should press us into the Father instead of push us away, to, to rely on him instead of build barriers between us. We're the ones who are deceived. He is not. The hardships should not lead you to question God's character, but to rely on him, to depend on him in greater capacities. But it's, it's not just good enough to say, he's great, he's a great giver. You have to actually prove that, right? Because you probably have arguments that would say, I don't know, right? We all struggle with that. We all come to these uh, tribulations and times in our life where we are being tempted and we think, ah, it's, it's not me, it's you, right? I need, to, I need to separate myself because you and your goodness and your holiness make me see myself in a light that I don't really like. And so if I can draw a separation between God to make myself feel better, we will sometimes do exactly that. So James isn't going to just leave it there. He's not just going to say every good gift is from God just believe that. He's actually going to take steps to prove that to you. So I'll give you three points that James has. And the first one is this. He is good. I've told you before that there are certain phrases, certain Christian catchphrases that over time begin to lose their value. I told you before that the evangelistic movement that I experienced as a young man was, God loves you, right? You just hear that over and over again, God loves you. And in the midst of the temptations and the hardships, it tends to lose its value when it's just on repeat. And yet here we are now and commonly hear the phrase, he is good, all the time. All the time, he is good. James writes this, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He goes a step further. What James means by he is good is not just he's loving towards us or he's kind towards us or he's patient with us as we go through these tribulations. What he's trying to communicate to you is an emphasis on the is in that sentence. God is good. God is the definition of goodness. The only reason that you can comprehend what is goodness is that you have received some kind of piece of him directly whether that's through creation, whether it's through relationships, it's all from him. But he goes a step further than that. 
and he calls him the father of lights, which quite literally means he is the one who spoke the sun, the moon, and the stars into creation. He hung them in the sky. And you know that to be the father of something means that you need to possess that, right? When I have kids, they come out looking like me. And so when God creates the lights, they are actually part of him. James goes on to say, this father of light actually has no shadow. That his being is actually light. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What Jesus is saying to his disciples is, you can't have both in you. You're either going to be light or dark. And God, according to James, is all light. There is no shadow in him. Nothing but goodness. Nothing but brightness giving off light into the universe, creating out of his goodness. Everything that you experience that is good in this world is something that he has gifted you out of his nature. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Everything that you can possibly experience is from him. Everything good. And so his, his being is light, his nature is goodness, and he is, he is how we comprehend those characteristics of our being and of the world. Number two. I'll back up a second. How many of you remember the greatest gift you've ever received at Christmas? No one? No one's gotten a great gift? I remember I was probably 13, 12, 13 years old. I don't remember exactly. You can tell me later. Uh, on this particular Christmas morning, um, I remember feeling, was, was the way that my parents set up our house is, is they, uh, they went by the, the traditional custom of the guy, you know, and all the, all the stuff was surprisingly laid out. <clears throat> and uh, my gifts were under the tree and my sisters were on the couch every year. And uh, I came to Christmas morning and I, I remember specifically unwrapping all of my gifts and my sister still going. And I thought, man, what did I do wrong this year? I feel like I got jit, you know? Sister opens up all of her gifts. I think I'm remembering this right. I'm the one telling the story. So, <laughs> my dad gives me another gift after all the gifts have been opened, including all of my sisters. And I opened it, 
And I didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't think there was anything else coming. I hadn't really asked for anything else. I open it up, and there's this white, round, plastic thing in there. Why? What is that? I pulled it out, and it was a, a helmet with a visor. And when I grew up, where I grew up, we didn't wear helmets to ride bicycles, you know? So I'm thinking, why do I need this, you know? I mean, it took me way too long to get there. And finally, my dad says to me, go outside. Come out. And there's this shiny red and white Honda four-wheeler. I'm pretty sure I spent the rest of the day riding that thing. was like, man, how good is that? You know? Someone loves me that much. That's what I aspire to, to give to my children. And yet, Jesus says this of the Father, Matthew chapter 7. So if you, us, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? You can't argue that God's goodness is far surpassing our character. And James is trying to prove that to you by telling you that he is all goodness. But then God in his goodness goes a step further and he shares his goodness with us. James 1.18, of his, the father, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Of his own will, he made the decision. He caused it to happen. He brought forth his son in a manger, sending him down from heaven in order to meet with us. He shares himself with us. But in a way that is not comprehensible to us. Not comprehensible to anyone in this, in, this, in this world who's ever born a child. You think back to the, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Genesis chapter 22 starts out with God tested Abraham he says, you know that son that I gave to you? I want you to, to give him back to me through sacrifice. So gather your wood, a way to light a fire, and take your son up the mountain to the altar and sacrifice him. Abraham is obedient, walks up that mountain 
without the lamb and his son turns to him knowing the process of making a sacrifice to the father and he says Isaac to his father dad where's the lamb Abraham responds verse 8 God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son you know how that story progresses you get to the altar as Abraham raises his knife to execute his son there in the thicket is the lamb. See, we come to this holiday and we focus on this cute little baby. And rightfully so, you know, it's a pretty great thing, the birth of Christ. It's amazing. But can you comprehend what it was like for the father to send his son knowing that he would die for us? Knowing that he would just experience the world as we experience it? I can tell you with certainty that I would not do that with my son for you. No way. I'd give up my life in a heartbeat, but not his. There's another man, scripture, that Luke records. His name is Simeon. Simeon is on the doorsteps of death. But God has promised him something. You will see my Christ before you die. And so Simeon, waiting on the day, is at the temple when Mary and Joseph come to dedicate Jesus. And this is what it says. Pay attention to what Simeon does in the moment. Luke chapter 2, verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God. Lord, now you are letting me see your servant. You are letting me Sorry, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. Jesus did, or sorry, the Father did according to his word to Simeon. And James says the same thing. It was your will to bring about the word into the world, sending his son down to be a part of this. And I would say that this fact alone would make God the Father the ultimate giver above all else. But James goes on. He doesn't stop there. Number three, 
He multiplies his goodness. James 1.18, all the way to the end of his own will, of God's own will, he brought forth brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, of his creation. There had to be an outcome for his will. And that outcome is you. He gave his son for you, the church, for the world. Hopefully, many of you have progressed through this series as people who experience Christmas. You start out as a young child, as someone who loves receiving gifts. You create a wish list that is a mile long because you have all the things in the world that you want to obtain, right? And then as you get a little bit older, what you're told is it's better to It's better to give than receive. It's better for you to be a giver than a receiver. And then you experience this. You give your wife or someone important to you something special and you you watch them opening it up on Sunday morning and you see their eyes light up and you're like, man, that's so much better than the gift you got me, but but still, what'd you get me, right? So you, you hopefully have experienced that, right? If not, you should. Earlier, the better. But I'm telling you here today that there's a step beyond that. There's a step beyond receiving and giving, and that's being. It's you realizing that you have been called a son of the Father of lights, a daughter to the Prince of Peace. How much better would you experience the Christmas holiday if you did it with him? And not just what you get or what you gave, but in the sole fact of, man, I understand what I was created for. I have purpose in him. And then he creates you to experience procreation, right? All you need to do to understand this process is have a child. Just have a child. And you will immediately understand that this child has nothing to give me. I don't want anything from them. They simply are loved by me. That's actually commandment from the Old Testament. Be fruitful and multiply. And then Jesus comes along and he adds to that. He says, no, no, no. It's not just through procreation. You actually have the ability to do that. To give someone life through the process of discipleship. Through introducing them to this son that God sent. So this is a little bit of an aside. I think it's the right time for me to say it. There are many people in here with various amounts of an ability to have a child, right? From can't have any to very many, right? It's true. And yet each one of you is created in his image. 
to bring about people into his kingdom. So can I speak to the young men and young women in this room? The culture that we live in is raging against family units and how you were created. God is giving you a gift. And no matter how you do that, whether it's through childbirth, whether it's through partaking in some kind of family unit to surround and nurture kids, or whether it's through discipleship, go after that with all you've got. Because there's joy to be found in it. There's purpose to be found in that. And that's exactly what he's doing with you because you are the first fruits of his will if you believe in him. I like to imagine this first fruits as a scene in heaven, a Christmas, if you will. Can you imagine God the Father and Jesus sitting enthroned with their Christmas tree and all the presents under it? What kind of lights does he have? Actual stars on his tree. Jesus picks up a present, brings it to the father. Why are you celebrating me on your birthday? Because I can. Why not? God the father begins to open up the box and it starts to shine out and his, light, his face lights up even more if that's possible and Jesus sees the joy coming out of his father and he says, I got them all for you. And then God the father says, no, 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 these are for you. And there's this constant joyful exchange of them celebrating those who hold his truth. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing that they're celebrating over you that way? Here's the text. John 17, verse 6. Jesus' high priestly prayer, praying his guts out for you. It's one of my favorite passages. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. There's no greater thing that you can rejoice in than being his.
than being part of that exchange between the Father and the Son celebrating the work of their fruit on the cross and you believing and trusting in him, then you taking all these hardships and tribulations and not letting them push you away from the Father, but run towards him. And then Jesus goes on in verse 13 and he says this. <laughs> I love this part. He says, and all of this is for their joy. Now I'm gonna die so that they can be joyful So if I could sum up everything, he is the embodiment of goodness. We cannot know goodness without knowing a piece of him. And he shares his goodness with us in a way that multiplies his goodness in us for our mutual enjoyment. And that mutual enjoyment includes him. So I can encourage you to do one thing this Christmas season. It would be to relish the Father, to come after him, to seek out his goodness. The psalmist says in chapter 34, verse eight, taste and see that God is good. My kids love fruit juice, apple juice, and they constantly beg for it. And the moment I give them fruit juice, it's gone in seconds. You didn't taste that at all. In fact, they brag about how fast they drank it. See, the problem is that you're busy, you zone out. There's all these things that we could do that might potentially bring us happiness. What ends up happening is we create barriers for ourselves that keep us from experiencing God's goodness. Destroy those things. I end with this. In the process of raising support, um, we learned a, a, a way to go about that, to meet with people, to invite people into what we were doing, and then to make an ask to ask them as we sat down to coffee and dinner, this is the ministry we're going to, this is what we need, would you like to partner with that? And the, the, the instructions that I received was, wait, don't say anything after that, just let them respond. And one of us in my marriage got good at waiting. And the other one didn't last two seconds in the waiting process before you just tried to cover it up and say, no, no we don't actually need any money. Just, just don't make me suffer through this anymore. We gotta go. If you wanna, you just so sorry we even asked you to do this, right? Don't do that. Wait in the moment. Wait for him to reveal his goodness. Slow down. Find joy in him. There's four ways for you guys to respond this morning. There'll be some prayer warriors over here in the back. There'll be some communion up here for you to enjoy. These guys are gonna lead us into his presence. Sing your guts out. And if you wanna try to outgive him, go right ahead. 
Thank you, Matt, for the invitation. <clears throat> if you haven't enjoyed the Christmas season with Christ before, you could choose. This would be your year. You're going to not just enjoy his many good gifts, but enjoy the gift of himself. Oh, man, it's worth it. Um, <clears throat> our photo booth is going to be open after the service if you still want to get a picture. Um, I want to emotionally prepare you for something right now. Next week, we're going to be in the Mariner Theater. And some of you are going to show up, and as you're walking into the Mariner Theater, you're going to be told that you can't bring your coffee into the theater, and you're not going to be able to recover from that. And it's going to be hard to hear from the Lord after that point. And so I just want to prep you ahead of time. We're going to be here, same time, on the other side. Um, guzzle your coffee ahead of time and show up, and we'll celebrate again. Um, tonight, house churches are happening. Uh, we were a little short-staffed this morning on teardown team, so if you're feeling the need for some exercise, stick around, help us take down chairs. That's always a big blessing to that team. Uh, God bless you. Uh, Merry Christmas. See you next week. Uh, anything else? Nothing else? All right. You're dismissed. Mm -hmm.